0: This
1: is uh, lesson number eight of the summer quarter, The Sovereignty of God, is the title. It's Proverbs 16 and 17. So, Lord, we thank you for your wisdom. We thank you for your word, which is eternal in the heavens, and it is food for us, for our spirits. And so we pray that you would help us to take it in and digest it today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so the first section, uh, section A, is called God's purposes, and uh, this section of Proverbs delves into a little bit into God's sovereignty. So it's uh, chapter sixteen, verses one through eight. So how about I'll, I'll read that first eight verses? Okay, you
0: do that.
1: The plans of the heart belong to man but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. That's an interesting one. Mm -hmm. Everyone who is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord, assuredly. He will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for, and by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. Any of those verses stick out to you? Yeah it's fascinating. So this is from the Quarterly. The relationship between God's sovereignty and human free will has been hotly debated over the centuries. Over the centuries. The relationship between God's sovereignty, which means he does what he wants, and human free will. We're not puppets, no. We're not puppets. They're, you know, Calvin, especially strict Calvinism turns us into puppets. But we're not puppets. And so, yeah. So here's another little thing from the quarterly that I thought was good. The following proverbs show that Solomon was also fully engaged in the question of predestination and free will. No it was yeah it was Solomon but the the author the co-author is the Holy Spirit so what we see from this is true this is not Solomon's speculations yeah this is not Solomon's speculations this is true and that too is written under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and so that is correct <laughs> yes. Yeah, by the way, iner- inerrancy doesn't mean there's not false statements and things in the scriptures. There are. I mean, inerrancy just means that this is actually what happened. This is real. This is true. So, but for example, when the sp- when the spies went into the land and they said, oh, we can't do it. You know, there's Nephilim there. They're going to, we're like grasshoppers. Was that a true statement? No. That, but that actually happened.
0: Good
1: excuse. Yeah, excuse. Yeah, that's what they said. And so that's what I mean by that. Okay, it's by. Yeah, it records their sin, and it records the outcome of their sin Which is and things that. like that. Like, that
0: we don't have to, you
1: know. Yeah, this is a fully trustworthy record. So verse 1 says, The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And this is, uh, the quarterly is this example, it's the example of Balaam, back in Numbers 22. Verse 38, Balaam says this, he says, So Balaam said to Balak, Behold, I have come now to you. Am I able to speak anything at all? The word that God puts in my mouth, that I shall speak. Remember that Balak wanted him to curse Israel. And he, and he said no. And then he thought about it, and he thought, well, the money's good. And so he went. Yeah. And, uh, and three times he prophesied. And every time he prophesied, he blessed Israel. And it seemed to be progressively a greater blessing as he went. And so the plans of the heart belong to man but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So verse 2 and this is this is very true. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight but the Lord weighs the motives. So we can rationalize ourselves into thinking we have not sinned.
0: Well, look
1: at what fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. <laughs> I'm lost. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's not so bad. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't work with God. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where the Bible comes in, too. The Bible sharpens our conscience. So verse 3, commit your works to the Lord and your plans will be established. So if you want to be a success, that's how to do it. Commit your works to the Lord. So, for example, you know, when you're a kid, say, oh, I want to be a fireman, and uh you know, you that's, that's what you want to do. You don't want to do anything else. Um, that is not necessarily going to work out. But if you're reading this book and you say, Lord, just glorify yourself through me and guide me, that will work out. He will do that. And that is what you were created for. So that will give you the most joy is when you commit yourself to the Lord that he might glorify you not you, he might glorify himself in your life. So yeah, verse 4, the Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. And the Lord uses even the wicked rebels, the wicked and rebels to accomplish his purposes. And there's an example of this in Romans chapter 9. In Roman, Romans chapter 9, yeah. So Romans chapter 9 and verse 17 says, for the scripture says to Pharaoh, remember this is the Pharaoh that was drowning the Egyptian boys, newborn boys in the Nile. For this very purpose I raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. So the Lord is telling Pharaoh, you were raised to power so that I could put you down. That was the purpose of his being raised to power. Then the same chapter, verse 22, what if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he also called, not from among the Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. So some people glorify God through their sin. The sin doesn't glorify God, but the justice God imposes glorifies God. And you know what? That's their own choice. That is their own choice. They have the will to either trust God or not. And he will not force. But he does cajole. What? He does persuade. He does communicate.
0: That's like when you read through the the
1: Lord right. Many times he hardened his own heart in a row. And then toward the end, then the yeah. Lord said, let's carry it all the way here. <laughs>
0: The heart, the spirit, you know. The, yes. Yeah. So. So that
1: he can yeah. be glorified. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yes. So and and Jana mentioned this Judah, Judas. You know, Judas didn't have to betray Jesus; it was his choice. But God used that betrayal to bring about the crucifixion, which gave us all our salvation.
0: And God gave him an opportunity.
1: You know. He didn't was, trust yeah.
0: the Savior. No.
1: He just felt yeah, bad. It
0: showed yeah, absolutely that he did not believe Yeshua
1: was the Messiah. Yeah. Or he would have repented. Yeah. So, and then Pharaoh in the Exodus, again, this is, this is what we just read. So, um, every single person will glorify God. Every single person ever created will glorify God. And we want to do it the nice way because we know he loves us. Look at what he went through to save us. Look at this wonderful creation he made for us to live in, you know? And so we want to please him. And uh, But those who reject him or try to argue that he doesn't exist or, or go against his will, they will glorify him too because there will be justice and that will glorify him. So, and you know, the Calvinists, will say there's something in here. See, I've struggled with this issue for a long time. You say this is is a controversy that's been going on for centuries between God's sovereignty and free will. How can God be sovereign? In other words, do exactly what he wants, and we have free will at the same time. There, there are some people who, like... A, a, the guy I know, you know, one of Dane's uh, teachers, who I love, Andy Woods. And he says he's not even going to try to explain it. So anyway, there's a, there's a series of um, things that God does regarding our salvation. And it's in Romans 8, verses 29 and 30. And uh, this is how we get saved. So it says, the verse right before that is Romans 8.28, which we all know well. It says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. So I personally think this is what helps me in understanding this. For those whom he foreknew... He also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he called. These whom he called, he also justified. These whom he justified, he also glorified. Okay, so the first action in there is what? He foreknew. Now, I've read Calvinist authors and they redefine this word. What does foreknowing mean? You know it before, right? Now, does that mean you caused it? Okay, the Calvinist would say that it means he caused it. Look that up in the dictionary, that is not what that means. He, God is omniscient, he's outside of time, he can see everything at once. He made us in his image. Yeah, I think the key is the foreknowledge. He knows who will choose him, right? Well,
0: but you mean, let's... Yes.
1: Right, and what I believe that means is those who choose him freely, That's my he will put on a path. My he will put on a path, and it, it starts with his predestination, then it goes to being called then it goes to being justified. What is justified? When are you justified? When you trust Christ. Look, The call is when someone presents it to you, right? Right. Well, elected goes along with predestination, but foreknowledge comes before that. Yeah, so anyway, and I, I wanted to point out one other thing. In this list of things, he goes from justified, then he goes to glorified. What part does he skip? There's a step between being justified and being glorified. It's being sanctified. Am, are you with me now? When, you, when you're justified, you're positionally Perfect. In Jesus Christ because he gives you his righteousness. Much of the Bible talks about how to live after that. That is a variable amongst believers, right? Right. Sanctification is a variable in and that is your, again, your choice every day. Am I going to do what the Lord asked me to today? Or am I gonna do something else? And so that is where our rewards come in, in the sanctification stage. And in this these two verses, that part is left out. This is the part God does. And actually He does the sanctification too. All we do is oh, Yeah, all all that we do is say, okay. <laughs> that's that's our part okay. of saying, okay. Yeah. yeah. So um Anyway, I, you know, and I, this is, again, it's a controversy. It's been going on for centuries. It'll probably be going on for centuries if it, we are still on the earth that long. And, you know, very good teachers will say they'll just teach what it says and they won't try to explain it at all. But that drives me crazy. I can't have <laughs> But I think this foreknowledge, that one word, it gives me solace and <laughs> it helps me ex- underst- kind of understand <laughs> something that's not understandable so anyway yeah be- because i you know i and i was a calvinist i'm sorry very strong one and uh, but that leads to problems about our responsibility, you know, how can we be responsible if we have absolutely no choice in anything? I mean, so the same
0: thing with,
1: like, probably the safest thing is just to teach what it says okay. as you get there Amen. and not try to explain it Amen. Amen. <laughs> because I, so of the so i there, yeah. I'm sorry, but that one word really struck out to me because I was reading a book by a guy that's going to speak this fall about this issue. And he took that word, and he said it me- meant foreordained. That's
0: not the same word.
1: F- that is not the same word. Foreknowledge, he said it meant foreordained, which means cause you caused it. Mm-hmm. Nah, that's not what it says. That is not what it says. So, anyway, I probably spent too long on that. But it's that's because it's... It's one of my favorite things to think about because it makes me makes my mind exercise <laughs> yeah, the
0: process,
1: so. right right what he what he has listed there in those two verses is God's actions toward us and it'll yeah. About, yeah in salvation most of the Bible is about sanctification of, of the believer you know how God wants to use you, how he, he wants you to live. Examples of things things and the outcomes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, verse 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, isn't this nice? Right. So you want to seek to please the Lord. You should ask every day, how can I please you today, Lord? Because This is an if-then promise right here, right? Yeah, when your ways are pleasing, the Lord will give you peace. Your enemies will be held back. They're not saying there's no enemies. It's just saying that they will not attack you, which is nice. So there was a box in the quarterly, let's see, page 64. And I found this interesting, and I didn't know this, But it says, the book of Proverbs uses Israel's personal name for God, Yahweh, almost exclusively when he is mentioned. The name is represented in English Bibles as Lord, capital L. The general Hebrew term for God, Elohim, is used only a handful of times throughout the book. Then in contrast, Ecclesiastes Attributed also to Solomon, never once mentions God by the name of Yahweh. Why, why, why do you think uh, in Proverbs he used mostly Yahweh and in Ecclesiastes he only used Elohim? His
0: personality
1: were not on the best terms. I think so too, yeah. And that's what they say. It says it has been suggested that Solomon's deteriorating relationship with God might have been the reason for the king's failure. To use the sacred name. Yeah, so he felt distant from God. He was in sin. Solomon was in sin at the end of his life. So he did not repent. And he could have been restored, but there's no evidence he did.
0: Yeah, it doesn't sound very wise.
1: Okay, so that's good stuff, huh? All right, so section B, a godly king. Can I get somebody to read verse 9 through 16?
0: Hey, my eyes are working. All right. A man's heart soul. 17, thank,
1: 17, right? thank you, sir. That was a bonus. Yeah. So um, So, verse 9, the mind of man plans his way but the Lord directs his steps. Has anyone else experienced this? I have experienced this. Yeah, no, so this is why plans should take place in prayer. You should pray about your plans. That's why they have the Yeah, and, the, and the, the corollary is what we already talked about, that if you cho- if your goal is to do God's will, your plans will be closer to reality than if you didn't do that, you know? So, I mean, a lot of times the Lord, I don't know, I think sometimes He lets you have what you want for a little while. I mean, He did that to me.
0: But even a good man.
1: Yeah. So verse 10, a lot of these uh, proverbs here are about the king. It says, a divine decision is in the lips of the king his mouth should not err in judgment. What is he saying here? Well, let me, wait a sec, let me read these two here. Verse 12, it is an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts, for a throne is established on righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. And the fury of a king is like messengers of death, but a wise man will appease it. In the light of a king's face is life and his favor is like a cloud with a spring rain. He, he to, Who puts leaders in place? The
0: Lord does?
1: Not just Israel's leaders. No,
0: don't look. Right? All, all kings, all
1: leaders. Everybody's leaders, yeah. So
0: Who
1: Yeah, so I mean the the kings of Israel, Israel is a was a theocracy, right? They were it was a mediatorial kingdom that Dan has been talking to us about. And it started with, uh, you know, Adam blew it pretty quick. And uh, then it reinstituted, especially under Moses and under the law of Israel. And then they're under the, the kings of Israel. And yeah, Jan is absolutely right. They were instructed, the kings, when they were installed to write a copy of the law, their own personal copy, and it tells them to do it themselves. And um, let me read that to you. This is Deuteronomy 17, 18 through 20, Now it shall come about when he sits on the throne of his kingdom, he shall write for himself a copy, that'd probably take a while. Mm So he shall write for himself a copy of this law and a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that is an encouragement to us to read the Bible every day, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God by carefully observing all the words of this law and these statutes, that his heart may not be lifted up above his countrymen, and that he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right or the left. So, that he and his sons may continue long in his kingdom in the midst of Israel. So, you know, if you're set up, it says a divine de- decision is in the lips of the king. So, if he is submitted to this law, that would be true. That will be true. It will be a divine decision. And it talks about righteous lips, heard of the delight for a king, and this is true if the king is righteous or not. Verse 14, the fury of a king is like messengers of death. If you make the ruler angry, your life may be in danger. I think that's getting true in our day. So yeah, the king had the power of capital punishment. So how about us? We're a constitutional republic in the time of the Gentiles. Yeah. So, and it was based on biblical principles. Our our constitution is is, uh, extremely biblical.
0: So, moral
1: and and religious people. Yeah. 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 So this is a question from the Quarterly. Can an atheist or an agnostic serve well in the nation's highest office? What do you think? Better
0: than right now? Christ in the middle of
1: hell. Right. Yeah, I, you know, I used to think, oh, if they're Christian, they're going to be okay. I don't think that's true. I don't think that's true anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think when you go to vote, what you want to do is look for people who support these divine institutions that we're looking about. Whether they whether they say they're Christian or not. So they should support marriage, which means they're against all these various forms of sexual immorality and deviance. They're against sexual deviance. They should support labor, which means they're against socialism. They're against the unified basic income. You know, they should support work that does not mes- necessarily means they support unions over, you know, management or corporations. But they should support people working. They should support uh, issues of conscience. They should support um, law and order. Because the basic job for government is to punish criminals. That's their job, is to punish criminals. So they should be willing to punish criminals, and they should be America first. They should be nationalists, because that, again, is a divine institution, and that's the one we just learned about. So you should should go through and look at your political candidates and say, okay, and they're very few they're they're not perfect. Most and just get the best you can, <laughs> you know.
0: Well, I, mean,
1: that's... Yeah, I think where the the our churches fail now, most commonly, is on the issue of labor. Yeah. Because they are for socialism. Mm-hmm. Many churches are socialist. And that is against well, the institution yeah. of labor. Yeah.
0: yeah.
1: They promote all these social programs from the government. Welfare, you know. And and that is against the institution of labor. It
0: would also
1: do that. Yeah, or not the church, but the individuals in the church. In the church, yes. Yeah. Yeah. no Genesis 3.19, and this is still true. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread till you return to the ground because from it you were taken. So that's not the sweat of... Vicky's face so that I can eat. No, it's the sweat of my face so I can eat. And the New Testament s- says the same thing. Second Thessalonians 3.10, so it's not just from Genesis. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. And again, that's your sanctification, right? That is your choice how much you give how much you give for these issues? I'm not that's saying we matter, yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm not saying we shouldn't give to the poor. we should give to the poor over and over and over. right. So, but it hard is hard between hard. you and the Lord
0: yeah, that's
1: the resources the resources amount, yeah. right So verse eleven, the just balance and scales belong to the Lord. all the weights of the bag are his concern. So yeah, fairness and justice in business dealings, very important. And then verse 16, how much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding is to be chosen above silver, because with wisdom comes gold, right? So wisdom is more precious than gold. The Lord wants honesty, yeah. Okay, section C, the highway of the upright. That is verses 17 through 24. Somebody want to read that one? Okay. Thank you. So verse 17, the highway of the upright, that sounds like a good road to be on, is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. So there's that parallel again between righteousness and life. Physical life. Righteousness promotes physical life, you know, practical righteousness. The righteousness we get from Jesus gives us eternal life. So now we're turning from the kings to the common folk. It makes me feel like a hobbit (laughs) to say that. (laughs) The highway of the upright departs from evil. So there's something that the quarterly said. This is true. Tell me if you think this is true. It is common for people to downplay the seriousness of the consequences of wrongdoing. It is common for people to downplay, okay, so eh, it's not that big a deal, the seriousness of the consequences of wrongdoing.
0: That's so many.
1: Yeah, it's no big deal.
0: Yeah.
1: everybody does it. Everybody does it, <laughs> exactly. Everybody does it, it's no big well, deal. Uh, well. Yeah, so this, uh, you know, I saw, occasionally I watched uh, videos from Wretched Radio. Anybody see those? It's this tall, skinny guy. His name's Todd Friel. He's associated with Ray Comfort, the way of the master. I don't agree with all of his theology, but it's interesting. I I like to listen to him, and uh, he did a little thing on the... Southern Baptist Convention, they just recently had their annual meeting, and Rick Warren's church ordained three women pastors, and they were discussing that because that goes against the Southern Baptist uh, bylaws or whatever it is. And uh, would you say that is a sin, to ordain women pastors? Yeah, well, that, that was their argument. Their argument was they have all these categories of pastor. So they're not leading the church. They're not the head pastor of the church, but you know, it, it says specifically, specifically, you know, a woman must a woman must quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man. But to remain quiet. So, if they're ordaining women pastors, does this go along th- with this scripture or against it? So
0: just against. Against. Like I mean, you don't, don't
1: have to ordain them a, as a pastor. It's a sin, okay? No, to do that is a sin. Because, like,
0: we just
1: well, I think with Rick Warren's history, we know that it's yeah. not mm-hmm. good. So you know, pray for the Southern Baptist Convention. They're going to fall apart too, like everybody else. Um, but we want to do God's will. What is God's will? That that people be saved. That's true. That's true. But but in, in this specific instance, you know, and it's so unpopular in our culture that yeah, that men. Our pastors
0: well, and elders.
1: So, um, verses 18 and 19: Attempting to, uh, pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in the spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. So, attempting path from the highway of the upright is pride. Pride will take you off the highway of the upright. So this is from the quarterly. According to the king, it's better to be in poverty, even slavery, with a humble heart than to be rich with a proud spirit. That's a different take, isn't it? Verse 20. He who gives attention to the word will find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. So it's good to be teachable. This does not mean not questioning. It's okay to question the Lord; he he can take it.
0: He can handle.
1: It. He can handle it. <laughs> so the quarterly says, which I agree, a wise person is humble but not gullible. You're not gullible when you're following the Lord. And then verse twenty-one the wise in heart will be called understanding and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. So I tend to think that logic increases persuasiveness, but here it says sweetness does. And I find that true. When I give a logical argument, many times people don't buy it. I want to just read this last section. This is called Personality Profiles. It's verses 25 to the end of the chapter. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Sound familiar? A worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. A worthless man digs up evil, while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He who winks his eyes does so to devise perverse things. He who compresses his lips brings evil to pass. A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. I just want to talk about that last verse. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. What is this saying about chance? Yeah. There is no such thing as chance, right? Yeah, there chance is not a thing. You know, but in the Old Testament... The priests had the Urim and Thummim, which were lots, that they prayed and they asked the Lord to guide them, and they cast the lots. And that's how they decided to do things. David did this over and over, and and to decide whether to attack or whether to not attack or, you know, things. And God guided him through that. Yeah, and so now it's interesting that the last time lots were used— it was when Peter and the apostles used them to replace Judas in Acts 1. After the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell people, lots are not seen again in Scripture. So that's fascinating to me.
0: The other thing is, too,
1: is And the church has the Holy Spirit indwelling it. so we. Yeah, so we go to, and you know, I did this. I, <laughs> you know, we grow as we age. I used, yeah. I was going to
0: yeah. yeah, say the same thing. It's like, yes. I,
1: I had the opportunity to buy some stock in a bank several years ago, probably 20 years ago or so. so. A bank and it's out of business now. And I cast lots to do it, and I prayed. And I asked the Lord to guide me because I wasn't sure if I should or not. Is this okay to do? And I, I forget what I did, tossed a coin or something. <laughs> and I did it. And I talked to my friend, Glenn Dale. I don't know if any of you know Glenn Dale. Yeah, he, he attended here before I came. And he, and he told me this. He says, you know, they never, they never cast lots after Matthias. After the ch- we have the Holy Spirit now, you told me this after I did it.
0: Yeah, understand.
1: after I did it, and so you know, I lost money on that. I let, it went out of business, <laughs> lost value, and then it was sold off at a loss.
0: Yeah, oh so
1: you know, so um, we have all we need for decision making in the Holy Spirit and prayer and God's, it mean word. You
0: yeah. God's word. Yeah.
1: So, anyway, that's the end. We didn't get to anything on chapter 17, but, yeah. So, Lord, we thank you for all of this wonderful wisdom. We pray that we would absorb it, and we would learn to use it. In Jesus' name, amen. How you doing?